Funding for WPLN News comes from you, our listeners, and Bernstein Private Wealth, working with creators and innovators to invest with intention and build the legacy they want to leave behind. More at Bernstein.com. I'm Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. Just a few hours ago, the Supreme Court of the United States rendered its decision to overturn Roe versus Wade, taking away the right to abortion. As reaction across the country rolls in, many people are wondering how this will affect them. And the clock is already ticking here in Tennessee. WPLN's senior healthcare reporter Blake Farmer has been tracking the decision and is here to talk about what happens next in Tennessee. Blake, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So you happen to be in D.C., right? Yeah, yeah. I'm actually working out of the Kaiser Health News offices uh, this week. And so, yeah, right down the road from uh, from the Supreme Court building. So turns out uh, being here on a pretty historic day. Yes, indeed. You may be in D.C. at the moment, but we both live here in Tennessee. What are the immediate effects of this Supreme Court decision here in our state? Well, uh, th- there may be serious immediate effects taking effect right now. It may be pretty much impossible to get a doctor to perform a legal abortion in Tennessee starting right now, and I'll get into why in just a bit. Um, there's a possibility that that what would effectively be an abortion ban could take effect uh, really sort of any hour. That's because Tennessee does have a six-week abortion ban that is on the books. It's never been enforced. It was suspended as soon as it was as soon as it was made law in 2020. But both Planned Parenthood, which performs abortions, and Tennessee Right to Life, which supported this law, expects that the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals will lift that injunction. It's just a matter of when. So help me understand this. Because we've been focused on the state's trigger law that bans abortions if Roe versus Wade is overturned, and that had a 30-day delay before taking effect, why, why are we now talking about a ban taking place at any moment? Well, and again, it's not a sure thing, but already uh, Tennessee Attorney General Herbert Slatery has filed an emergency motion asking for uh, the appeals court to um, uh, to lift this stay on the six week ban. And um, he's asking for a decision like ASAP. I mean, ask for a decision today. And the thing about the six week ban is it's basically a ban on abortions because most people don't know they're pregnant at six weeks gestation. Uh, often a woman hasn't missed a period yet and might have no reason to take a pregnancy test. So uh, this is why it's essentially a ban on abortions. So where does that leave us in terms of the trigger ban? I mean, first, can you remind us to what the trigger ban actually is? Yes, uh, and, I, and I know it, it gets uh, confusing and quite technical here, but in 2019, Tennessee passed a law that essentially would be triggered if Roe versus Wade was overturned, as it has been. And uh, that law requires the attorney general to say, yes, the trigger law has been triggered. And then that starts a 30-day clock, uh, which allows for other legal challenges. And at the end of 30 days, abortions are banned in Tennessee. And there's no six-week exception. Uh, and, and there's really no exceptions except for the, uh, the life of the mother being in danger. So uh, that, that's sort of operating on this separate track over here. So does that law matter at this point? 
Well, it certainly matters because it's more strict than the six-week band uh, ban. But we're we're waiting to hear from Attorney General Slatery, uh, who is holding a press conference early this afternoon. Should be at two o'clock. He essentially has to confirm that the Supreme Court decision does trigger our trigger ban, um, and, and almost certainly that that's what he will say. Um, and then you've got the thirty-day window. And there are no exceptions before six weeks: rape or that's incest. That is correct. Only if the life of the mother's in jeopardy. Okay. Let's bring in some sound here. You talked with Dr. Edward Hills, who leads the Meharry Medical College OBGYN training program. He doesn't provide abortions, but he sounds really concerned. Let's listen. Abortions are not going to go away. Okay. Legal abortions are going to go away. And we're very, we're very sad about that. And we're, we're very fearful about that. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. Wow. What's so distressing to Dr. Hills? Well, you know, like you said, he doesn't perform abortions. Most OBGYNs don't perform what you'd consider elective abortions under the law, but they do want it to be an option for their patients. Um, and Dr. Hill's concern is especially for his patients who, who tend to be lower income and women of color. He knows that they will likely have more trouble getting access to abortion in another state. And going to another state for an abortion where it's still legal, that's essentially the plan for abortion providers at this moment in Tennessee. So an illegal abortion here in Tennessee is pretty scary to him. Um, in fact, he, he was practicing medicine before Roe versus Wade and recalls women coming in and, and you know, losing their fertility because they tried to cause an abortion on themselves. Now, these days, we do have medications that are much safer that, that can be used for abortions, at least early in pregnancy. And there's some early efforts among the medical community to find ways to make that medication available, basically in an underground network. But all of it is less safe for all involved because it's, you know, underground. Well, when can we expect abortion providers to start sending patients to other states? Well, the word I'm getting is basically today, right now. Mm. Um, pl Planned Parenthood, uh, you know, th th they've essentially already stopped providing abortions or at least starting the process. Uh, that's both by medication and for surgical procedures. Because as, as you can tell from this conversation, there is so much uncertainty in the air legally mm -hmm. that they don't want to start the process with a patient only to have to send them out of state to complete an abortion. You know, recall that Tennessee already has a 48-hour waiting period and such. So the, it takes time. And, and we could have, uh, you know, this six-week ban we talked about at the top here in a matter of hours. So for all practical purposes, abortions have been stopped in Tennessee. It appears they have. And um, folks who fought against abortion, you know, from Governor Bill Lee to leaders in the Southern Baptist Convention based here, you know, they're really cheering this decision. But no matter where folks fall on the spectrum of, you know, abortion acceptance, let's call it, there will almost certainly be some unintended consequences that will be a concern for everyone, some of them predictable and some that we just won't see coming. All right. That is WPLN healthcare reporter Blake Farmer. Blake, thanks for walking us through where we are now. You're welcome. Follow our continued breaking news coverage of today's historic Supreme Court outlawing abortion at WPLN.org. We have to take a short break. When we come back, we'll round up some local reactions to the Supreme Court's monumental ruling overturning the fundamental right to an abortion. 
How are you feeling about this ruling? Tweet us at This Is Nashville or leave us a message by clicking the record button at thisisnashville.org. We'll be right back. I'm Khalil Colonna, and this is Nashville. This morning, the Supreme Court of the United States overturned Roe v. Wade, eliminating the constitutional right to an abortion after almost 50 years. It's a decision that will transform American life. Here in Tennessee, we are looking at an imminent and total ban. Reactions so far today from Tennessee lawmakers have fallen along party lines this morning. Republican Representative Jeremy Faison called it a good day for America and for the unborn. Democratic Senator Ramesh Ekberry of Memphis slammed the decision, saying, as a country, we are moving backward. Now, we've got reporters in the field all day. Today, rounding up local reactions, reporter Ambrielle Crutchfield was out at Planned Parenthood in North Nashville. Here's some of what she saw. I am standing in front of Planned Parenthood in Nashville. There are one, two, three, four, five, six anti-abortion rights activists standing out here. One of them has been out here consistently for seven years. For the last two years, he's been doing it full time. I've seen cars slow down to beep, to talk. One car was even saying, oh, did the decision come down? And they were like, yeah, it was six to three. Um, when I was talking to the activists, they were very, they had a lot of praise, but Scott said that this is just the beginning of the journey. They want to make sure that Nashville's trigger law is strong enough and doesn't have any loopholes. And they also want to make sure that people are punished if they do have an abortion. Follow along at WPLN.org today for our continued coverage. Now, I'd like to introduce my next guest. Carol Caprio worked for Planned Parenthood before Roe versus Wade established abortion rights at the federal level. Carol, thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. So let me tell you, let me ask you, what was your first reaction when you heard the news this morning? Well, to be honest, I cried. Um, and this is several hours later, and it's still triggering that same response. Uh, I, I'm just heartbroken because this isn't just going back. This is going to a worse place. Uh, in 1985, I read Handmaid's Tale, and it gave me shivers at that point. And now, all these years later, seeing the turn that has occurred and how split the country is, it's scary. Um, the, the footnote in the leaked uh, decision about a domestic uh, shortage of the supply of infants for adoption is just, it's appalling to me. Uh, I've also been involved in adoption uh, for over 50 years. My children are adopted. Uh, my daughter called me crying because she said they make it sound like adoption is just one easy, happily ever after, which it is not. Because how do you explain to a child who doesn't have the, the means to understand uh, why your mother didn't keep you. Uh, I could go on and on, but I know you have limited time. So if you have any questions you'd like to ask me, uh, I would yes, yes, be yes, glad to answer. Yes, ma'am. I mean, tell me a little bit more about how you're feeling. 
Okay. Uh, I have a, a friend who's also, I'm 80 years old, she's also 80 years old, and we had a conversation uh, before the last uh, time I spoke. She had uh, gone into nursing as a 17-year-old in a, in a city hospital in, in Pennsylvania, and she reported to me the things that she saw with her own eyes of uh, the consequences of self-induced or illegal abortions, the women who uh, lost their fertility, the women who died, the women who were emotionally and physically scarred. And she looked at me and said she's been a lifelong Republican, and she said, I, this is the first year I have to change my vote to mm. Democrat. I think this has become such a political issue, it's scary. Uh, one other note that I kind of researched recently is that with a blood test, a paternity, a DNA blood test, a, a, uh, a father can by, be identified as early as eight weeks in a pregnancy. Uh, is the government going to now implement DNA tests for expectant mothers so that fathers can now pay for child uh, support or for prenatal care because we don't provide prenatal care in this country. We don't provide child care after the child is born. Um, and I, I just have a million questions that nobody seems to want to answer. How do you think this will change things in the country? Uh, I am, I'm really frightened. Uh, I see that there are angry people just on the highway with no big issues. This is a big issue, and I wonder about the anger issues and how people will react and the kind of violence that will erupt from this. I don't even like saying it out loud, but even the decision this, this week about more guns available in the public, um, it, it's terrifying to me. Finally, like, what are your worries about the future of reproductive rights? I think that uh, women didn't have rights in this country even to vote, and now women don't have the right to decide what their own body uh, is, is capable of and what their own needs are. Uh, a, a woman, in the, in the years that I've spoken to women about abortions and the women that I know uh, who have privately confessed to me in my own life that have had abortions, they never made this decision easily. I, it's always a difficult decision. But one of the comments that I remember hearing, that they felt it was easier to deal with the loss of a pregnancy early on than deal with the loss of a child to adoption. We're collecting your reactions to the breaking news today that the Supreme Court of the United States has overturned Roe versus Wade, eliminating the fundamental right to abortion. Tweet us your reactions at This Is Nashville. We got a tweet from Paula Foster. She said, I'm a lesbian, married with two children, both girls. I'm angry, sad, and frightened for the future. God help us. Bill Mitchell tweeted us to say, We are likely witnessing the beginning of America's next civil war. And the casualty will be the country. I'd like to introduce my next guest. Ellen Clayton is a law professor at Vanderbilt University. Ellen, thank you for joining us. I wish I could say it's a pleasure to be here, but um, this isn't a pleasant day, but I'm, but I'm happy to be here. 
I'm, I'm glad you're here with us through these very, very difficult times. And Ellen, from a legal standpoint, tell me, what is the significance of this ruling? Well, I think what it portends is enormous. Um, the majority uh, said that this was limited to overturning Roe and uh, and Casey, and that they and that abortion was different from everything else. Um, obviously, it's a very sweeping opinion. The impact on women and families will be absolutely enormous. Um, I have to say that my heart sank when I read Justice Thomas's concurrence, in which he um, invited revisiting the question about a right of access to contraception and gay rights. Um, so I think that basically we have a court that on the one hand says that if something is mentioned in the Constitution, it gets enormous deference, as we saw yesterday with guns that mm -hmm. kill people. Um, and yet the decision here is that uh, because abortion isn't mentioned, and um, and evidently, according to Justice Thomas, even further, that all the, the legislature legislatures have to do is give a reason for why they're doing what they're doing, and it will stand. Um, I think that uh, this is a horrendous setback for women, a horrendous setback for families. I want to endorse the uh, comment that was made just a minute ago. Men are going to have to pay if the women they have sex with have babies. And this has been actually the law for some time, but boy, is it going to be that way, uh, really? And I, too, think of The Handmaid's Tale. So I think of the... This is a hyper-textualist approach to thinking about the rights that people have. And it is, I think, terrifying for our country. Nashville District Attorney Glenn Funk has indicated that he will not take action to enforce a ban on abortions. Ellen, do you think he'll make good on that promise? I think he'll do it, make good on it, but I'm not sure it's going to matter because mm. uh, the state government is already... Um, contemplating having the state attorney general step in uh, to prosecute cases in um, in those jurisdictions where the uh, local district attorneys um, have said they're not going to. So you could imagine that Slatery's office would step in and do the prosecutions anyway. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that hasn't been mentioned so far that I would, I mean, obviously the complete ban is the complete ban, but among the other issues that we are confronting that have already been being discussed is, is the state going to try to prevent women from traveling out of country to get abortions? Um, I think that probably runs into a constitutional barrier, um, as Justice Kavanaugh pointed out. Um, are, um, is the FDA going to step in and say that their, uh, that their regulation of the availability of a medication abortion supersedes any, um, supersedes any regulation by the state? Um, that I think there's clear precedent for. The FDA often um, preempts state law. But I think we really um, have many questions that are already arising. And then, um, and then sort of the specter of going even further to limit individual rights um, that aren't enumerated in the Constitution is really terrifying. Explain the role of the state in enforcing this federal law. Well, all the, you know, the state, I mean, what the court said 
is that the states are free to decide what the law is. That's specifically what they said. And so Tennessee, so they specifically said they did not outlaw abortion, but they specifically said that states have the right to regulate in this space. And so what we got from them was that any argument that individuals have a federally guaranteed right uh, uh, to do this no longer stands in the way. And of course, Tennessee a few years ago um, amended their constitution to say that there is no uh, state constitutional protection of abortion in Tennessee. Our healthcare reporter Blake Farmer talked a bit earlier about the trigger law and this 30-day window. We know our AG is set to speak today at 2 p.m. What are you watching for with that? Um, I think what he's going to say is um, that, first of all, the law is triggered. And second of all, that he has asked, asked the Sixth Circuit in bank to um, lift the injunction that's been in place since like a day or two after the um, the six-week law was put into place. And I suspect that the Sixth Circuit will do that. Um, certainly, they've indicated in other cases in the Sixth Circuit jurisdiction that they're very uh, favorably uh, disposed to restrictions on abortion. So I think they'll lift it right away. And so I think that's, that's what I expect him to say, that he hopes the Sixth Circuit and bank will get rid of six abortions starting at six weeks immediately. And then the process of the trigger law in 30 days, he's already started. So that's what I expect to happen. If you're just tuning in, this is Nashville, and I'm your host, Kaliole Colonna. We've got breaking news today after the Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade this morning, outlawing abortion. This hour is all about what that means for us here in Tennessee. What questions do you have? How are you feeling about the ruling? Tweet us at This Is Nashville or leave us a voicemail at thisisnashville.org. My next guest is president of Abortion Care for Tennessee, Robin Baldridge. What, Robin, tell me, what, do you, what does this decision mean for your organization? Oh, um, it could mean a million different things. We are currently just kind of trying to assess, you know, it hour by hour, minute by minute. We're definitely waiting to see what, you know, the AG says as well. Um, but it is something that we have been preparing for for a while. You know, groups like ours already existed because Roe v. Wade has been the floor and it has never guaranteed everyone access to the freedom of accessing abortion. Um, and so what we're working towards right now as we've previously funded directly to clinics. Of course, clinics in Tennessee are not going to be able to provide abortion. We're not, again, we've stated we're not sure of the exact timeline of when they will stop. Um, but our operation right now is going to be moving to getting money directly to patients who will be traveling out of state to access abortion. Tell me, what reactions have you seen so far? Uh, like from our supporters? Yeah. Um, you know, everyone's really energized right now. I would say that we've we've seen a big spike in support since the, the SCOTUS leak. Uh, I mean, obviously, we're all extremely devastated. It's like I'm having a hard time not bursting into tears on this call right now. Mm -hmm. um, but 
I do believe that people are really energized because the overwhelming majority of Americans and the overwhelming majority of Tennesseans do support access to a safe legal abortion. So a lot of people are really fired up and looking for ways in which they can use their skill sets to contribute to this cause. You know, there were a limited number of clinics here in Tennessee before this decision. What does this mean for the few clinics in operation? Like, where are people going to go? You know, it's really tough in Tennessee because most of the states around us are also trigger states, you know, so it is looking like, you know, Tennessee abortion patients will be traveling across multiple states to access abortion. And I think something we're really trying to stress, you know, I know most people listening to this here are just in Nashville, but the idea that just because only certain states will outlaw it, and then that means that there is still some access in this country is not a reality because the the states in which you know, it's still going to be legal and accessible, those states are gonna be overwhelmed with all of the patients traveling from trigger states. So I think people that are in other areas or, you know, have transplanted out of Tennessee into a state that, you know, they might not be super worried right now about this ruling, but the entire country is gonna be overwhelmed because, you know, 26 states will not have access to an abortion. You know, I'm curious to how this affects other parts of reproductive care, things like high-risk pregnancies and in vitro fertilization. Yes, I mean, um, and I did, yeah, I did discuss that a little bit the last time I was on this show, um, is that essentially, you know, they're also going to be criminalizing people who are accessing miscarriage management um, with something like in vitro fertilization, a really awful, um, and albeit, it's a low risk side effect, but you know, uh, it's pregnancies being implanted outside of the uterus. So ectopic pregnancies, um, and those, the course of care for those are needing to access an abortion, needing to access a DNC in order to literally save the life of the patient. So again, I state that anyone having anything, whether you're trying to get pregnant, you know, it's going to affect everyone, not just people trying to safely access an abortion. Jeffrey Lewis, Jeffrey Lewis Coke tweeted us at This Is Nashville. He said, most boys and men in this country are not taught about abortion. Hell, I didn't know what a speculum was until recently, and I'm woke. Male supremacy and Christian theocratic terrorism are destroying the females in this country. Robin, I want to ask, like, what resources are needed to properly educate people about reproductive rights? And how is that education going to be affected by this ruling? You know, a lot of uh, one thing that I think is really true is that a lot of the resources are there, but many people don't seek them out. Um, Just whether you're looking in your community, you're looking on a national level, if you have access and the ability to Google and do some research, then you can find places where you can contribute, Um, especially with the advent of social media and all of the ways that we can be in connection. What's the missing piece is that many people believe that this is not something that affects them. Maybe they've never had an abortion or they don't know someone. They don't know that they know someone who's had an abortion. Um, I I really co-sign what this gentleman has tweeted because men benefit from abortion 50 percent. You know, it's they they benefit from abortion just as much. It takes two people to get pregnant um, and as someone that has worked in abortion advocacy for close to 10 years now, 
by and large, male identifying people are silent on this issue. They do not believe it's 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 seen as a women's rights issue. And that's incorrect because mm-hmm. men benefit from it just as much. I had an abortion last year around this time and my partner at the time benefited from us. We both did not want to be pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is your fight and your responsibility. Um, and I think I would, as as wonderful as it is that people want to reach out directly to those of us like organizing and and doing this work, there's all kinds of resources online if you want to just take a look. So, Carol, as I mentioned earlier, you worked for Planned Parenthood before Roe versus Wade. I just have to wonder, seeing abortion rights federally protected and now seeing this reversal. What, what are your hopes for the future? Carol, are you with us? I believe Carol is not with us any longer, but you know, Robin, let me direct that question to you. What, what are your hopes for the future seeing this incredible reversal of precedent? Um, you know, Hope feels hope feels hard right now, but I do have some. Um, I do believe that the systems that we were operating within, you know, Roe v. Wade being one of them, again, it never offered everyone the freedom of access to abortion. So I do hope that this is starting a, a larger conversation about we need legality and then we also need access. Um, and I think my hope is that I, I do believe it's going to get much worse before it gets better. But my hope is that this is a complete like overthrow of the system. The system has been overthrown for us. And so now what, how do we completely rebuild and how in, in that rebuilding, how is abortion going to be accessible to everyone and not just essentially the wealthy class, which is, you know, in Tennessee, especially just looking at Tennessee, it is was already next to impossible for patients to access abortion, which is why an organization like Abortion Care for Tennessee and Healthy and Free Tennessee, um, which is why those organizations have existed even when we had Roe in place. So my hope is that the the energy that I'm seeing from, from all these newfound supporters um, remains and that it means that we can work towards building something that is going to be more comprehensive and is going to allow everyone access. We have to take a quick break. When we return, we'll talk about what is next for Tennessee and resources that are available to people seeking abortion care. How do you feel about this historic decision? Tweet us your thoughts at This Is Nashville or leave us a voice message by clicking the record button at thisisnashville.org. We'll be right back. I'm Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. After the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade this morning in a monumental move outlawing abortion in the U.S., we've been talking this hour about what that means for Tennesseans. WPLN reporters are out in the field today, so stay tuned to WPLN.org for our continued coverage. Now, we want to explore what the next steps for Tennesseans are and what resources are available to people seeking abortion care in our state. My guests are Robin Baldrich from Abortion Care for Tennessee and Vanderbilt Law Professor 
Ellen Clayton. Welcome back. Brianna Perry also joins us now. She's co-executive director at Healthy and Free Tennessee. Brianna, thank you so much for being here. Yes, thank you for having me. So, you know, what are organizations like yours going to do as a result of this decision? Yeah, thank you for that question. And I first want to read the statement that we sent out to our supporters today. And we have been following this for so long as well. We turned our attention uh, to this uh, possibility a few years ago and really are thinking about the connections to criminalization. So I first want to read that statement. We are enraged but unsurprised at the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe versus Wade. This decision will not only force Tennessee clinics to stop providing necessary care, but also push Tennesseans seeking abortion care to travel out of state to receive the care that they need. Abortion bans are state-sanctioned violence. With the Supreme Court on their side, anti-abortion politicians will continue to push forward anti-abortion legislation that not only criminalizes providers, but also punishes pregnant people for their pregnancy outcomes. Criminalizing abortion care means more government surveillance, investigation, and control. And we know that black and brown people, disabled people, those who use substances are always more likely to be targeted. No one should be punished or criminalized for their abortion, miscarriage, or any pregnancy outcome. At Healthy and Free Tennessee, we have been preparing for this reality and will continue to center abolition and a fight for reproductive justice for all Tennesseans. We're not giving up on our communities and we will not stop fighting for the decriminalization of abortion, pregnancy and parenting. Now more than ever, we are back in our clinics, we are fighting against criminalization and we are here for our communities. Tennesseans deserve freedom from state violence and criminalization. Brianna. What happens now to local organizations like yours who've been helping people get abortion care? Organizations like Healthy and Free Tennessee will continue to be in the fight. And as our statement um, that we put out this morning, we're going to fight more than ever and push for advocacy um, because that's just so important. Um, like folks have been saying, like we need like the legal protections for sure and, make, and making sure that people have access and fighting at the state legislature. Fortunately, we were able to have one small abortion win this year, which was removing some really harmful uh, things from a bill. The bill, um, you know, did a lot. And so we will continue to do that and continue to be in solidarity with clinics, uh, folks uh, who are on the front lines, uh, funds, and really fight for the advocacy. So this it, it will not stop us at all. Robin, what have you been hearing from or other organizations around the state? Um, I would, you know, echo everything that Brianna said, that we're all just continuing the fight. I, I haven't heard um, any concrete, um, you know, com like confirmation of, of shutting down. I think we are all, you know, having to take it day by day as far as what the criminalization is going to look like for people who are considered aiding and abetting abortion, which would be, you know, funds especially funds that are helping women to travel out of state to for access. And so we have to play it by ear as far as all of that goes. But 
every abortion fund in the country is working on, you know, defense funds, different options, not just to make sure we're getting money to patients accessing a procedure, but also patients that could be criminalized or people that are criminalized for aiding and abetting abortion. You know, early in the show, we heard Dr. Hills from Meharry say that abortions won't go away. Only legal abortions will go away. Robin, what about the pregnant person who is in need of, an abor- of abortion care right now? What steps can they take? I would say to if they in Tennessee, I would say they could reach out to us at, at Abortion Care Tennessee or, or our email is info at abortioncaretennessee.org or they can reach out on social media. Um, I would say to be looking um, in your community specifically. Mountain Access Brigade is also an incredible fund that operates in East Tennessee. So that's a great resource for them. Um, In any state, anywhere that you're in, there is a a grassroots abortion fund somewhere within the state that is doing this work and can help. Now, Brianna, this decision is about abortion, but what are your other concerns in terms of the wider impacts of this decision? Yeah, and I know we've all been watching the news and saw what Justice Clarence Thomas said about these other fights around gay marriage and um, fights around contraception. And I just want to say that's what's happening at the Supreme Court level, but we've seen states just in this year thinking about what Missouri passed around people trying to travel outside of the state and conversations around contraception and will that be next? And so at Healthy and Free Tennessee, we like to ground our work in the reproductive justice framework um, that black women started in 1994. And it's putting abortion within this larger conversation around social justice. So what we see happening with public education, all these other issues are reproductive justice fights. And we know uh, with that, in that same vein, with people who would like to maintain their pregnancies and access uh, care for themselves when it comes to birth justice work, that's coming under attack as well. We know that children continue to be separated from their families. That's a reproductive justice issue. Uh, So people who are trying to raise their families in safe, healthy, and nurturing environments are separated uh, from their children through the child welfare system. So we see these fights intensifying, and we also are pushing more than ever like to be in solidarity and see how these all these issues are interconnected. Um, so we, you know, have seen the fight for uh, trans youth, so many attacks on them. We saw what happened in Texas and we see all of these things will continue to intensify. And um, all of these issues about are about bodily autonomy. Um, so it'll be abortion and all of these other things uh, that we'll see uh, to come in the next few years. What are you hearing from the people you serve? A lot of folks are for sure scared. And even though people, you know, there will be um, this possibility or people will be able to travel out of state. A lot of folks that I know, it was even hard for them to access an abortion within Tennessee and get the funds that they need. And so that's why the work of abortion funds are so important. I also have been hearing from folks who are afraid for young people. So we know what happens with the judicial bypass and young people who are, you know, in environments where their parents or caregivers or guardians aren't won't or aren't 
aren't able to, you know, help them to get an abortion, they're able to get a bypass. But now what's going to happen with young people? And so I, you know, have been talking to several folks, especially my family and friends in West Tennessee and Memphis, uh, a place that already doesn't have a lot of resources. So people, you know, are scared, uh, but ready for a fight. But they are very scared about what this means now and what will come um, in the next few months, in the next few years. If you're just tuning in, this is Nashville, and I'm your host, Khalil Ekelona. We're talking about the Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe versus Wade and what the next steps will be in Tennessee. Mary Rudy tweeted us, I am totally sickened by the Supreme Court ruling. What do those men have, what those men have done is send women back to the dark ages and made us no better than breeding sows. Next thing to go, our right to vote. Tweet us your reactions to the ruling at This Is Nashville. Ellen Clayton from Vanderbilt University is still with us. Ellen, Senator Marsha Blackburn issued a statement today saying in part, I applaud today's Supreme Court ruling. Despite false claims from the left, this decision will not ban abortion. Instead, it returns the decision to the states and empowers state legislatures with more flexibility to craft policy through the democratic process. What is your reaction so, to that? Well, my reaction is that is a correct statement of what it ha- said. And what we need to do now um, is change the political discourse. And I w- I'm going to make a couple of suggestions about things that we need to say. I mean, one of them is that if we're going to be this, uh, that they also need to care about kids once they're born. And they need, we need to have education. We need to have support for families, as you heard from, fam, from Healthy and Free Tennessee. I mean, the fact of the matter is, it is incredible that, uh, that the unborn have more rights or more something um, than our children do. I think we need to get over that. I think another thing that we need to make very clear to our legislators is that people will not move to Tennessee. Um, if Tennessee continues its current path. And that, you know, we have, and particularly, I know that in Texas, you know, big companies like Tesla and others are promising to have their their workers uh, provide them with transportation out of state if they want to have an abortion. And the fact of the matter is, in Texas, that means every time Tesla does it, they, get, they can get sued by lots of people for aiding and abetting them. We need to recognize that actually protecting the interests of women and the interests of families and the privacy of choice is something that is critically important. And it's like women have failed to exist except as, um, except as the handmaid's tale. Um, so I think that we need to take over the political discourse. We need to say we need to protect women, we need to protect their rights to choose and the right, their rights to make decisions with their partners. And men need to recognize that if they have sex, they're gonna to have, to to have to be paying child support because that's what's gonna happen. And we need to just bring that clear. Marsha Blackburn stated the holding of the case correctly, but she got what it means dead wrong. Um, because this will just this will just transform the lives of women. Are there any, and we need to change that discourse. Are there any other potential legal consequences to this ruling here in Tennessee? 
Well, I think, you know, I mean, I, you know, it is frightening to think that they, Justice Thomas would like to see um, a case about contraception. I mean, that's terrifying. Um, one of the things I'd like to say that someone raised earlier about um, how, how do we educate our kids? Our legislature has limited what kids can be taught in school. So it's not exactly surprising. They're not really up to date on the birds and the bees and the various kinds of contraception. And, uh, and so what works and what doesn't. And so if we're, we just have to say that it's not just about once you get pregnant, it's game over. We have to allow people to have control over their lives. And that means educating them. We got a tweet asking how this ruling will affect our, how will this ruling will affect our privacy in general? Ellen, can you speak to that? Uh, sure. Um, the, I mean, I think that, uh, again, going to Justice Thomas, he specifically called out Roosevelt versus Connecticut, which is when Justice Douglas uh, promulgated a right to privacy um, based on the penumbra of a variety of amendments in the Bill of Rights. And uh, clearly, Justice Thomas thinks that's utterly illegitimate. Um, and so and you have to understand the right to privacy is not only the right not to be seen, but also the right to for you to have some control over how you run your life. So it also has the right, the right to privacy also applies to how people run their families. And if the court is going to decide that anything that is not enumerated in the Constitution, therefore, is not something that they can weigh on, it means that the state government can just run rampant over um, over how we control our own lives. I do not. That is breathtakingly not what the American uh, public thinks. And I think, I mean, I'm one of those people who drives around in Nashville and I worry that someone's going to shoot me. So. Um, because I drive the speed limit. Um, but the, so I think the idea of privacy as something that we think of as Americans, that we have a space that is ours, is something that the, that the Supreme Court has just utterly undermined in this opinion, and I think has really called it all into question. I want to read a few tweets we got. We got this one from someone who goes by Atticus1776 on Twitter. I am a woman. Highly educated, Ph.D. in American history, and I am overjoyed that the Supreme Court of the United States overturned Roe versus Wade. Great day in America. And here's a tweet from someone who goes by Grenshaw. The only truly safe option for women in the states that ban abortion under all circumstances is to avoid pregnancy. The danger of prosecution for miscarriage and that pregnant women's medical treatment will value the pregnancy over the woman's life and future health is too great. Dr. Katrina Green wrote an op-ed yesterday in the Tennessee Lookout, and she asked, where is that line where a patient's life is so at risk that doctors are allowed to do their jobs? She goes on, if I, an emergency physician, don't know the answer to these questions, you can bet most other doctors in our state don't either. What I do now is our patients will suffer. What, what I do know, pardon me, is our patients will suffer and some will die. Brianna, your organization works with, works with physicians, and I'm wondering if you can speak to how this will affect how they're able to care for their patients. 
Yeah, so we have always gotten different questions since we are on the advocacy side and physicians always wanted to know, like, what is, like, what am I able to do? What does the law say? And when you look at kind of the current abortion bills in Tennessee, the criminalization currently goes to the providers. There was a bill um, that was uh, the Governor Bill Lee signed into law last month, and there was a lot of confusion around it. It was around telehealth and accessing uh, abortion pills via the mail. Mm -hmm. And that's something that has been outlawed in Tennessee for some time. So what this bill did was increase penalties for physicians who perform abortions. And so, unfortunately, that is like something that is of high concern. And I was just on a panel last week and a doctor was on a panel and she was talking about the fear that she has, her colleagues in other states as well. And these are like felony type of penalties that providers will will face. And so we will see like in Tennessee, providers who can't do their job, just as the op-ed is saying, people who are trying to care and provide comprehensive reproductive health care won't be able to do that anymore in Tennessee. And, and that puts them at risk of going to jail if they try to do so. And so it's a lot of concern around that. And we, you know, have had lots of different conversations with physicians around that uh, on the advocacy side. Robin, for people who want support to support abortion access, what is the best way to help? Um, I'll always say that we all monetary is always the best way to support. I, I understand not everyone has that ability and capacity. Um, on social media, sharing and uplifting the work of organizations like ours, like Healthy and Free Tennessee, like Mountain Access Brigade. Um, if you don't have the ability to donate, getting it into the hands of people who do have the ability to donate is really, really helpful. Um, and I think the biggest thing too is opening up these conversations in, in your one-on-one -on -one communities with your friends, with your family, discussing this so that we can shift the culture the way that they were stating. Um, it's it's time to make this something that we're all talking about. Abortion is something that is heavily stigmatized. And so it's something that we do not discuss often, which is what has led to so much misinformation. Um, so make it a part of the conversation, make researching and discussing it with people in your circle and online, um, something that's a regular part of our dialogue. Okay, continue to tune in today and follow along at WPLN.org for our continued coverage today. I want to thank our guests, Brianna Perry, Carol Caprio, Robin Baldridge, and Ellen Clayton. Thank you all for being here with us on this important day. We want to thank everyone who tuned in this hour. Follow our continued breaking news coverage at today of today's historic Supreme Court decision at WPLN.org. This is Nashville is a production of WPLN News and Nashville Public Radio. Listen back at thisisnashville.org or wherever you get your, our, your podcasts. Our producers are Steve Carouche, Rose Gilbert, Tasha A.F. Limley. Our digital lead is Anna Gallegos-Cannon. Michaela Elias is our technical director. Our executive producer is Andrea Tudhope. The masterminds behind our theme music are LaRange and Near Blade. The conversation doesn't end here. Tweet us at This Is Nashville. Find us on Facebook and Instagram and let us know your thoughts. This is Nashville. I'm Khalil Colonna. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. And be good to each other. <laughs>